People don't understand the uh, the pressure to to say something when people can come back and listen to it over and over and over again. Stop, rewind, pause, get on Google, fact check what you just said. What you think was just a natural conversation of just throwing stuff off the top of your head. Where in the olden days, which is how this podcast started, we would just shoot the shit. I think talking after a dive. We continue, and um, everyone just assumed that we actually knew what we were talking about because. <laughs> Fools. But, but now that uh, people can research it and double check everything, we got to be a, a little bit. We have to be a little bit better at what we do, and there's a lot of pressure on that on us. There's a, there's all nearly a, nearly a hundred nearly a hundred episodes in. You like to say that you're you're feeling some pride. We're in that. getting closer and closer to one million episodes. Yes, every day, every day, one step closer to one million episodes. Goat skins, real underwater salvage. And this is with hard hats or bells. The Great Dive Podcast is hosted by your buddies James and Brando. Oh, for the love. I just want people to like me. You have nothing to lose. So, hey, uh, let me let me ask you a question. Okay, shoot. Wait a minute before that. Uh oh. Welcome back to the Great Die Podcast, everybody. You're here with your host, Jamesy, and your other host, Brandy, Brando. Brandy. Brandio. I like Brandy. About, about, about Brandy. I, like, I like just Brandy. I like knowing that I have a song and a booze named after me. <laughs> there's no, there's no. In uh, my next life. There's no songs named Jamesy. Jamesy in there. I could make one up. Jamesy, you're a fine dude. Brandy, I'm a fine girl. What kind of Nothing a, wrong with that. What kind I of a booze being. is going to be a Jamesy? Oh, well, you got close. You got Jameson, but in, and it's not very popular unless you're Irish. And even I don't think the Irish drink it that much, do they? Well, I think the hardcore Irish do. I think if you're American Irish and you just want to get hammered at the you bar take, in the States, you do the Jameson. You've got yeah. a shot of Jameson. Jameson. And I'm sure we could start calling Jameson Jamesy. Oh, yeah, yeah, we a shot of Jameson. Shot of Jamesy. And I'll have a shot of Brandy. I, I'm pretty sure if you walked into a, a, a bar They'd in know what you're talking about. You go, shot of give me a shot of Jamesy, they, they're no question at all you're getting a Jamesy. Yes. Now, I attended bar back in my younger days. What didn't you do in your younger days? Oh, I had a life in my younger days. I shouldn't say I didn't do. I'm not answering that question, but I'm saying, yeah, I used to do stuff, and I, I'm just dying now. I'm just wilting and dying. I'm not doing much, uh, doing a podcast, which is, I think, the only thing keeping me going. Anyway, that was a, that was a whole little bit of depressing uh, therapy right there. I uh, attended bar, and the only booze that we never had to reorder was Jameson. <laughs> oh, really? Oh, yeah. And one time we had, uh, so it was in the military. It was, different, it was a different time. I don't know. They came in one, the, we had a helicopter crew had some issue with their helicopter. So they had to bring like this whole, the whole crew in. It was a big ass helicopter, CH-53. Anyway, must have been 25 of these Navy guys, Navy people, I should say. There was, there was uh, young ladies and young men. 
and old men. Anyway, they came to the bar, drank us dry, drank everything in the house except the Jamesons. Get out of here. No, they were, nobody would touch the Jamesons. Even the Navy dude would not touch <laughs> Chick either, would not touch the Jameson. Don't ever ask a Navy man if he needs another drink. <laughs> it's no one's goddamn business how much he's had already. <laughs> Hey, uh, there's this old uh, uh, punk rock bar down in Detroit that we used to go to. And um, you know how, like, when you go, you look behind the bar, they've got, like, all, all, the, different, all yeah. the different boozes, right? Yeah. Like, 100 bottles of booze. Sure. All Jameson. Oh, really? The whole back of the bar was all, that's Jameson. how much That's how much Jameson they used to go maybe to they got this a, place. A, well, maybe they just got it, they got it cheap. No, no. It's, it's, always, oh, no. it's always been very popular. <laughs> oh, okay. Jamesy's very popular. Jamesy? In the punk Jamesy's, rock, uh, amongst the punk rock <laughs> I think the uh, amongst the I want to get drunk as quick as I can and, <laughs> and forget, okay, forget, forget about my, my world. <laughs> Jamesy really comes handy then. Uh, yeah, I bet it does the job. Hey, that's a that's a pretty good history lesson there of of drinking and machine, yeah. yeah, drinking around the world. We're not just uh, and we've know. talked a little bit of our about our history of diving when we got into truth. It. But let me ask you this: Can you think of? When you think of like the history of diving, what what comes up in your head first? Or like the first Jacques, well, the first thing, if you just say history of diving, Jacques comes in my head and then they're sitting in in the on the calypso and they're they're drinking brandy and wine and going over the dive plan. That's the first image that would come in my when I think of diving history, you know, like what made diving. And it a lot of that has to do with us ren, you know, reminiscing about the old Jacques Cousteau days and going through the books and I reread the story last year, you know, reread right, the book right. I hadn't read in a while and but it takes on a little new meaning and that's the first image that comes to my mind but there's a lot of other ones i mean i know the diving history or the history of diving is is uh is rich with accomplishments and daring feats and death and innovation and genius and, yeah, which uh, is what kind of, and idiocy <laughs> which is what makes it so interesting is something that you can be captivated with it your entire life like so many people are out there and oh, i would man. agree with you old jockey and the boys certainly uh are, are a memory i have like one i of said, the, one yeah. of the early memories i have from a kid is the shark lady on um, national geographic eugenie clark so what we're speaking of right now is is the history of scuba diving in general but what about just the history of diving underwater like man yeah. being underwater under the surface well that uh how far back does that go in your head in my head like the image of a, a guy with like a leather bag over his head and a like an accordion type pump pumping air that he's sucking yeah, from like the I, surface. Yeah, like I remember those Leonardo da Vinci yes. pictures, like the, the, the concepts that he drew up. Right? Yeah. Those, those come to come to mind as well. Yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure. Yeah, I mean, that's those are the old, old. I mean, that's the And then really there's the, the story beginning. of Alexander the Great. Yes. Like uh, going down in the, the little diving bell. He understood. He understood. The the the, the value, the potential those, war or value. Or those just stories? I don't think they're just stories. I think they're, I mean, there's some that are that are stories, but I think they Because there's also stories of, of uh, you know, when you look at a lot of those history of, of breathing tubes, you know, oh, 10, going 10, 10 feet 12 feet long, down. Which is impossible. Right, yeah, yeah, which is impossible to do more than about a foot. That's more than I think it's even less than that. But yeah, yeah, the pressure, you the vacuum power you yeah, need you just to don't get. Have the physical strength mm -hmm. to pull a breath, right? Mm -hmm. So that was impossible. Thought up, drawn up, written up, told about, but mm -hmm. in reality, we know now that that's it, it wasn't possible. It's yeah, not even story. close to being yeah. possible. Mm -hmm. That's why all snorkels are about the same length, regardless of the the brand or model. Yes. 
Hashtag true facts. But even earlier than that, you go back to people just holding their breath underwater, right? Just in, in body deep water just to Free get fish, yeah. mm-hmm. get food, get sponges. Or even, yeah, recover. Recover lost, dropped items right, right back. Lost, dropped, or, or sunken yeah, somebody, boats you know, uh, full of stuff. I mean, they used to... Dropping a tool, dropping a weapon. Well, they used to use the waterways to, to ship cargo. And if it was valuable cargo and it went underwater, I mean, that's a lot of money lost. A lot somebody, of value yeah, somebody lost, had so. to get it. Mm-hmm. So the free divers would free go divers, and do that. Yeah, and, I, I and know commercial were, divers yes. in the days, I and mean, we're talking way uh, uh, before the the modern era, like talking thousands of years BC. Yeah, they were still out there salvaging, even though they didn't have scuba and or they didn't have surface supply. They were still going to try to salvage. So the great free divers of the time, they could make a good chunk of change. They also had prisoners doing it back in the way back in the day and i think we talked about that on here is uh the prisoners uh free yeah, just, diving just basically forced into that's where the uh forced into yeah, that labor i think the prisoners uh wearing your little red beanie that jacques Cousteau wore for so to, long uh, those were tribute. the that right was, yeah that, that that's we're talking the, the that was what the, the 1700s yes, yes. right well interesting as we take a look in the history of diving out of chapter one of the old NASDS safe scuba book from 1980. They talk about a brief history of diving and start off by saying that it would be difficult to pinpoint when human beings first learned the necessary breath hold techniques to enter the world of inner space. Some of the first records of diving can be traced back to temple drawings thousands of years old. We also find references to oyster diving back in Homer's Iliad, approximately 7th century bc what do you uh, what do you got on there for the first for the first f- one that that first, first one that pops up on that little, on sponge that divers talking about sponge diving so you've got that poster at your place of that the history of diving poster from the man, man in, the in the sea, sea right yeah and it's an awesome poster if you you, you know i I'll try to post a link or something on, uh, you know, well, I sent you that link. But yeah, yeah, okay. I'll try to post a link up for the, there for the listeners if they want to take a look at this poster because I've had this poster for a while now. Yeah, and decades. I, yeah, and I love this thing. I mean, uh, it's really cool graphics, is, yeah. really cool artwork on there, and it kind of covers the history of man under the, the sea, yeah. you know, in both uh, physical form as well as in mechanical form with uh, subs and stuff like that. Right. But uh, so that puts. That put the first real divers as like sponge divers, right? Okay, like uh, so basically they're you know going down with nothing, no but, mask, no nothing, going under to harvest sponges, obviously. But they would go down, you know, holding stones in their hands, and they would have a simple type knife that's like hook build, apparently. I guess the thing about it though back then is a lot of people died. Uh, they'd had ruptured eardrums, you know they. They were trying to figure out the effects of pressure on them. You know, I just want you to think about yeah, that yeah, as didn't even know. not having a, your certification class, like with some great instructors teaching you the effects of uh, the pressure and, and being underwater and what it takes to do that. Just going out and experimenting and trying to dive yeah, deeper. Like, ah, my ears! Yeah, right. And how many students and or how many people do up, we talk to? Then you that get back or? up to the surface and the, the boss is like, you don't have a sponge. <laughs> <laughs> Go back down. But you would, you would just, you would be reading lips because you're whack, like, what? Whack you with a stick. I can't hear nothing anymore. But yeah, a lot of uh, busted eardrums from the pressure, a lot of sinus issues. Yeah, I remember when I was a kid, you know, diving down to the bottom of the pool and you kind of toughed out the pain of like 8, 10, yeah, 12, 12 feet deep. Out. And then, but I tell you now, like I go four feet underwater, you're so sensitive to always yes. equalizing the pressure mm-hmm. in your ears that 
I go four feet, and I'm like, ah, I got to fix that. I yeah. got to fix that. I couldn't imagine going 20, 30, 40. Oh, your ears would be <laughs> shot. And the person that could actually do that, go under, I'm sure they're going to get more. They're going to harvest more than just sponges. So I would think they get down there and like, there's all kinds of shit down here. Well, even at that point. Look, at that point there's no they bottle. Could, yeah, but at that point, they couldn't even they see. They use. Right? They were just <laughs> doing it by, by feel pretty yes. much. Yes. So they, they didn't have a mask. Yeah, they're yeah. like, is this a sponge? Shit, that feels like fire coral. Right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh. But just, uh, you know, it's like anything else, though. You think of how did we get to where we're at and the people that have had to suffer and the mistakes that had to be made to learn, hey, you know, how to do it correctly. This is what we we had to go through to get to SpongeBob. Yes, exactly. (laughs) Thank you, divers, because without you, there wouldn't be SpongeBob. I've got this other cool old book. It's called Dive, the complete book of skin diving. How did they come up with the name? Is my question. Well, you know they. Um, I'm going to write a book called "Go Underwater." <laughs> this was 1956. It was written by Rick and Barbara Carrier. Rick and Barb, good old diving couple. Cool old book. Are there pictures? Yeah, a lot of pictures, like photos and drawings, drawings and it, illustrations. It's, it's a good, it's a good, uh, it's a good old uh, classic book of uh, the publishing world. We call them illustrations. Knowing, knowing uh, <laughs> what you need to know to go diving, but they've got a nice history. Oh, really? Early history section in their book. This is what I like about you, Jamesy. One of the things is that you can, like, sick them on these topics. I just like to come in and go just cold. Like, we're having a bar talk. Like, I wouldn't say, oh, we're going to the bar Tuesday. Here's the discussion topic. I would just go there and yap off right, the top right. of my head. And I agree. Spewing forth nonsense and right, lies. Right. <laughs> that's, my, that's my point. Right? So <laughs> the first ten episodes, we could get away with that shit. We had three listeners. But. but now that we've uh, grown an audience, they're expecting what comes out of our mouths to actually be true. Oh, God damn. Okay. All so, right. Well, we've been held. Enough. We've been held to a higher standard. I might have to up my game <laughs> against my will to boot some background. Listen, when you're the work. premier dive, dive podcast, podcast people, people come to expect greatness out of us. True. We have we, to earn we, that title, uh, the Great Dive we, Podcast. We, we should have called ourselves the two guys Mediocre. bullshitting about scuba <laughs> podcast. <laughs> The... But, we, but we picked the Great Dive Podcast instead. Maybe we can change our name. No, <laughs> no, we're, we're we're keeping on. We're going to continue being the Great. We're going to keep on keeping on. To now, the quote car- the Brady Bunch. Carrier said that natural diving, that is diving without any equipment to supply air to the diver or counteract the effects of water pressure, has been practiced for thousands of years. Evidences such as ancient piles of oyster and other deep water shells indicate that seacoast dwelling tribes and prehistoric historic times swam dived and got some of their food from the sea the early cretan civilization 3000 bc to 1400 bc built much of its economy and its art around the sea and its product fish sponges purple dye and murex shells i mean really think back if you were in those that position big well, old bunch of water dead animals would wash up occasionally like, you, you, ev- you eventually you yeah. go yeah, yeah. go get them and just like walking into the woods finding creatures that scared you and 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 myth, killing them. myth about what was in the dark forest. There was also fear and myth about what was under the surface of the water. And that's oh, where the yeah. tough and the brave and the warriors started to go. And You and me. That's where we were back in <laughs> 3000 BC. Well, I remember back in the old days. They've got a story in here about the, the in the first century AD, the king of Sweden sent a fleet 
against the notorious Danish pirate Otto, who had a reputation. Just Otto? Otto, but not the Otto you're thinking. Not Otto the Horrible? No, this Otto is the... Otto Odidio. Otto. Oh, okay. Well, that's completely He different. had a reputation as a magician able to control the waters. Swedish divers soon punctured this myth by cutting holes in the bottom of his ships under cover of darkness. The next morning, while Otto and his men were frantically bailing them out, the crafty Swedes attacked and killed them all. Otto tried to distract them with a card trick. Didn't work, though. <laughs> so this is early early warfare uh, with, with underwater. Otto's like, I got two ropes. Two ropes. Now watch carefully. <laughs> yes. Buddy, I, how you hold them in your hand. <laughs> I got nothing. I'm sorry. I'm just like, he's a magician. No. Uh, had, what then, gave him away? The cape? Black hat. No, back then, like a real magician, magician trying to con- oh, conjure up, conjure up I know, the I know what you're talking. I'm just trying to be smart. Alchemist ways and manipulation of the natural forces but speaking of the the gaggy parlor tricks that you're cracking jokes about yeah old cleopatra and her suitor mark anthony he was a he was a he was a magician he was a little jokester himself in the and they've got a cool story in here about once cleopatra held a fishing contest and old anthony wanted to make a big impression on her and he secretly bought that giant boat with the two big ass motors in the back yeah but in these days you fished right in front so you fished right in front of Cleopatra. And like, oh, in those could, days. Yeah, yeah. Yes. And, and, yeah, yeah. So he secretly hired a diver to attach fish to his hook so that it would appear that he was catching more than everybody else in the fishing contest. But nobody would see the guy go under? No, nobody saw him. He was what do you skilled, mean, no? He was I'm a skilled diver. That. He was a skilled, even a skilled diver. How, where, why? He was down there, hooked up the fish, boom. Swam. Mark Anthony's pulling him up. Cleopatra's like, whoa, this guy. Ah, man, this he guy is knows the fish. How to he knows how to fish. fish. And you know what they say about a man who knows how to fish? Yes. I'm not even going to go there. However, um, where is she, the story coming from? She had. Is this like passed down or did they have writings of it? Writings of it. Passed or is somebody making this up? Because no. this is something I'd make up right now. We need. To, we need. Well, to... no. So, um, so until the next day, where she had all of her quarters present, she had her own diver put a preserved salted fish on Anthony's hook. Now, uh, who's the jokester now? Oh, so she knew this. She caught on to it. So she saw. What? She figured it out. She was a smart cookie. Now, how how do we know this story? Is where did the story come from? Is there a bibliography? Did they, I'm just wondering, how do they know the story? And was it written down and passed this old fish story? Because yeah, I want you old, to think, these are just old classic stories of different uh, times in the but water. But how did they get this Cleopatra story? Out of some history book. Where did the book get it? I don't know. Some clown made it up. Is what I'm getting at. You are like you are just you accept what's given to you, don't you? You don't question. You know, this, these are just just stories. We're we're getting to the we gotta okay. get to our article here. So okay, go, on. One, go one, on. Another one for you. Let's make up some more. <laughs> I heard that Jesus once had to feed an entire town, village of angry people. I heard he once walked on water, but what you don't know is he was into magic. He was a hobbyist, magic, a magical hobbyist, and he had a bunch of divers go underwater, hold their hands up, and they he just walked on their hands. <laughs> <laughs> Let's start this rumor. Let's go, there we if go. we were this sitting is, at the bar is, talking this about is, this, the bartender would take that story and run with it. If Other we were at people. the bar telling the story, having having a couple shots of James, 
<laughs> well, James, it, it, this story would last at least an hour. <laughs> if not, if you don't not. know where it might travel to boot. Right. But we were talking a little bit more about um, the military stuff, right? And during the yes. Middle Ages, like 1500s, uh, divers were already in naval warfare, sending divers doing like sabotage, Navy SEAL yeah. type work, yeah. you know, uh, uh, underwater sabotaging boats. They mention in here that this happened as late as 1565 at the siege of Malta when Turkish and Maltese divers engaged in a bloody battle, hacking at each other with hatchets until the Turks were so badly injured that they had to retreat. I came across a dive training magazine that went through a brief history of diving in a, in a couple-part series of, of this magazine. And the one that I have is from early 2000s, 2002. And it was a reprint, they said, from 1994 by Alex Brilsky. Brilsk. Is it Brilsky or Brilsk? I think it's Brilsky. Okay. It's an E. Doesn't it end in an E? Brilsk. I'm going to call him Brilsky. Okay. Old Brilsky. Yeah. Old Brilsky. Now, he just put yeah. out a he just put out a book book, I think, I think in 2012, book. called The Complete Diver, The History, Science, and Practice of Scuba Diving, A Guide to Diving in the 21st Century, What Every Diver Should Know. And basically, the first two chapters of his book are these two articles. Okay. So he uh, he goes back and talks in the, the first one about all the early days of free divers and divers and bells, like the Alexander the Great stuff, and mm-hmm. helmet divers, and then... Uh, leather Comes bags. all the way back. Yeah, yeah. The leather, or the cow Bas- stomach. Yeah, but goat stomachs and yes. cow stomachs holding holding air. bubbles of air. Yeah. And yeah, yeah, pretty wild stuff. How'd you like to do that? How'd you like to stick your head in a goat stomach or a cow stomach and then go underwater? Have you ever breathed off... blindly... Have you ever breathed off a Decor 360 pacer? <laughs> <laughs> it was kind of a lot like that back in the day. <laughs> Now that's just not right. I you think ever, if you, you ever use one of those old yeah. decor arrows, and some dive shops who does don't clean their <laughs> their rental gear, yeah, can smell the same. Oh way. Yeah, 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 yeah. But yeah, we had um, a funny funny story. Is we had this rack, right? Our rental department rack where we mm-hmm. hang up all the rental BCs, and uh, it's like um, Tuesday after an open water weekend and. The middle of the summer and the the, starting the to smell good, this, yeah. like, like that. Uh, yeah, it's 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 middle of summer. Uh-huh. You can tell it's middle of summer. Yeah. Well, as the weekdays you know progressed, it started getting more and more ripe and mm-hmm. and fishy and getting that like, whew, boy, this is this has got the stench of the quarry of diving wa- of the <laughs> local of diving. local waters here right mm-hmm. next weekend comes up so it's like friday somebody's picking up rental gear we put this jacket on this on this lady and you know like in, in those old wraparound bcds they're like where they created the pocket mm-hmm. you know uh, the, there's actually like that inner pocket behind it to create that like over the mm-hmm. the outer yeah bladder yeah 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 well, during the open waters the weekend before, a fish had swam and got stuck really? in the pocket. Like, not in the pocket, but in that space between yeah, yeah, the pocket yeah, and the bladder of the BCD. Yeah. was pinched in there. But this fish fell out, like, like five days later. That's where the nastiness like this little, came Yeah, from. that was yeah, the nastiness. Yeah, a little, yeah. little, uh, little bluegill, little yeah. sunfish, you know, it was maybe like two, three inches in, in length. I was going to say, because I've left my gear in the car a for a couple days post you know you get out from a night dive you just want to get home and then you've got other crap going on you come back and it's been you know 100 or 90 degrees out oh yeah yeah and and it's been you know doesn't smell good but it's not that bad i mean i could yeah, I windows live with are, it. yeah i love the smell of neoprene in the morning right even old wet so old brilski starts off his article by saying 
and uh, book there for that matter. Um, since the dawn of human existence, men have entered the water to collect food, so it is impossible to trace the exact date or origin of diving. We do know from artifacts that the people of Mesopotamia engaged in diving as a form of commerce, usually collecting pearl oysters, as long as 4,500 years ago. By the third millennia before Christ was walking on the hands of divers below him to make it look like he was walking on water. <laughs> <laughs> The Greeks of Thebes also had a thriving pearl diving industry, and the Chinese followed soon thereafter. I know it ha- we know it happened. We, we have evidence and stuff, but where I'm very interested in where the, what the evidence is. And well, where, I mean, it's, it it's different from, so. stories written down over the well, years. Well, that's the thing is they didn't write. Not many people knew how to write. They and wrote on the walls th- with stick figures. Sure they did. And hieroglyphics told that <laughs> and, story and that of told Cleopatra that story. and Anthony. Well, that's, now you're getting to, like, what? where did this come from? And a story like that, would it actually make the book? And, you know, it's like a funny, we don't, there's all these serious stories, you know. Anyway, I mean, they're good stories. I, I love them. Brilski mentions uh, that the sponge fisherman we were talking about earlier, uh, mentioned by Homer, early as 1000 Simpson? B.C. Simpson. In an early episode of The Simpsons, um, <laughs> we're doing some stuff up to 100 feet deep mm. on those breath holds where they're blowing out eardrums and having all those issues early on because they didn't really understand human anatomy at the time. They didn't really understand how equalization worked. Do you tell the listeners who Homer is? Just uh, Homer of the Iliad. like Iliad, Iliad, Odyssey, yeah. yes, from ancient Greek. And speaking of the Greeks, he mentions that the most famous divers of antiquity were the Greek... Silius and his daughter Cyana, the Persian king Xerxes. Xerxes, um, huh? Xerxes. Xerxes. Not Xerxes, but Xerxes. I don't like to pre- I don't like to correct people because they. I don't like when I get corrected. But well, you sure do a hell of a lot of I it. I do, don't I? <laughs> <laughs> you're you're kind of a dick. <laughs> Back in the fifth century uh, BC, uh, were famous divers treasure salvers back in the day and then during a war between the persians and the greeks they were down there was that 300 is that in 300 the movie 300 persians and greeks yeah well they were being forced to work for old xerxes and then uh, years later destroyed one of his fleets by diving down into the stormy seas and cutting all the mooring lines on their vessels later they were praised by the greeks statues built of them and old Lady Sienna, Lady Sienna became, uh, you know, you don't you don't hear a lot about her, but as far as a uh, historical woman diver, like one of the first, really, because back then they they thought that if women dove into the sea, they could lose their virginity. That's how I lost by mine. diving into. <laughs> <laughs> I remember when I was a diving virgin. <laughs> Uh, back then, uh, Brilski mentions that uh, it was believed that the water pressure that could so easily br- break eardrums could do the same way, compromise the virtue of young maidens. The, the Spartans and the Athenians were the first to employ combat divers. That's pretty cool, combat divers. Usually, um, Alexander the Great is credited in his famous siege at Tyre in 332 B.C. It's pronounced Tyre. <laughs> it's not pronounced Tyre? No. Watch me. Tyre. Yes. That's his name I said? I, that I don't know. I'm just trying to be a smartass. 
But uh, he was using divers as demolition divers back there in uh, 300. Now, you were a, you were a uh, commercial salvage diver for a while. I did, I did some training with commercial salvage work. I didn't do any salvage for uh, commercial work. But, I mean, I did training with I, I brought boats back up. Round about Big boats, welded. It's a cool, I mean, that's, I love that salvage. If you talk about history of diving, I love the salvage history of how they, I mean, that was a cool part of school is uh, you would have to, you, like, I would have a team of four divers. And we had to devise a way to bring up a boat, a steel, a big steel boat. And so you had to go down and dive in crappy water get a get an idea of what this boat looks like we'd sketch it and find out where the hole was and how it sunk kind of thing and then we'd have to figure out a way to bring it back up and i think uh these salvage divers did they ever i mean i guess in the old days were they trying to bring boats back up or were they just going to bring the bring the uh well yeah because the cargo there back was up? has been trade routes right truth from the beginning of time really and then the waterways have certainly been the the highways of those early trade routes well, because of the yeah, ease moved, of moving a moving lot a lot, a lot of, of cargo, goods. Yeah, 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 for sure. But my question is, would they bring the whole ship up, the whole boat, or would they just bring the cargo, go in and get the cargo out of it and bring it up? Well, I don't have any don't exact that, stories yes. of, of I don't of think them. they brought the boat up. It's too certainly big. one day research the history of, of that, I guess, depending on how big the boat was. And yeah. They certainly were bringing up a boat if it was. With the early days with the free, free divers, I'm thinking it's just they go in and get what they can get and bring it back out or even put it in a bag and have them lift it up. Well, sure. I mean, but even like um, I would say back in those days, even 10 feet of water mm-hmm. took a real serious diver sure nearly warrior type of person to, well, to of venture course. to, yeah, yeah, to yeah, 10 yeah. feet of water underwater to do salvage of course work. yeah of course that took a badass son of a bitch yeah damn straight <laughs> and then um i think the history of diving is replete with badass son of a bitches no doubt about it. i think so that's what we're getting to yes that's that's our whole point and we we learned going back all the way to good old Sienna, the lady, the lady, the they're these badass sons of bitches, men and women. Uh, but uh, like in these days is when uh, an actual like salvaging commercial diving industry actually started to become organized, and they started actually writing books and and mandating different laws as to what a diver could do, what uh, what a diver would get paid. And this was about what time frame again? This is like first century. BC. So 100 BC, really. They started to get a formal kind of industry of salvage. Yeah. Um, okay. And Brulski mentions that the fee depended on the depth of uh, the different wrecks that they were going to. And For that's example, still today. I mean, they yeah. still they, you get depth pay, which is oh yeah yeah pretty good. But even back then, like uh, for depths of 25 feet or greater, the salvagers or um, the salver's share was one half of all the goods recovered. Wow. Pretty, uh, I guess it's, it's better than getting nothing. Oh, for, yeah. uh, what I mean by that is the people hiring the salvers, you want nothing, I won't go get it, or you can have half. Right. Because I'm going to take from, the chance. Now, from 25 to 12 feet, the share was reduced to one third, and in shallow water where they could stand, the share was only one tenth of the value oh, of the goods. It's basically just labor. Yeah, 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 yeah. But even still, like if you could stand and Five feet of water, four mm-hmm. or five feet of water. I mean, still, it, it took a hardy person to yeah. breath hold yeah. and go down and salvage. I mean, that yeah. wasn't just yeah. any any businessman at the time wasn't going to do that. Then you go like, te- like 10, 15, 20 feet. That was some serious work. And then 25 feet back in oh, yeah. 100 years. 
It's going to be a lot of going up you and know, down. 2,000 years ago. A lot of going up and down. If there's a lot of cargo, I mean, that's yeah. the thing. And, I mean, there's nothing stopping you as the salver that you take some of the stuff and go hide it oh, down sure. there. And then you like, that's it. That's all she wrote. Here, here's your, all I found were these rocks. <laughs> well, speaking of rocks, there's a, a ton of history also of uh, pearl divers all over the world as well. They're not rocks. I Pearls know are not, not rocks. Well, I know that. Grains of sand, I think. They begin as grains of sand, true. Which is, I guess, maybe. I guess if we go far enough But you're back. going down and taking these speaking oysters of, from, the, see, from the bottom. Speaking of uh, atoms and molecules, uh, pearl divers. Yes. <laughs> you don't like that? <laughs> you don't like that segment? <laughs> you like I that? Get it. Well, your rock segue into pearls, really, that... They're not related. Sure. Going down and grabbing something little like a rock versus going down and grabbing something a similar size, a pearl. No, you don't grab the pearl, though. I mean, you grab the yeah, oyster. Going down and grabbing something similar size like the oyster for right. pearl diving. Right, right. But yeah, all over, uh, you know, Japan and Korea. The Orient. Do they still call uh, it the, the Orient? Central and South America. South America, really? Yeah. Central and South America, they yeah. were doing pearl diving. Yeah, I mean, the... the, the I know there's pearls the, there. The I mean, Japanese, I'm not an you know, idiot, Japanese but I know women, Japanese were known. The Japanese women, Amadivers, are really well known for it. I mean, there's a lot of great Their breath-holding that's that's feats a, are of legend. Yeah, I mean, that's a, a, an amazing episode we could do all about just those chips. The Amadivers. Yeah. But Brilski mentions that even Columbus found a thriving pearl diving industry on the coast of what is now Venezuela. Zoela. And interestingly enough, he mentions that in almost all of these civilizations, the pearl divers were almost always women. I think they can hold their breath longer. Now, eventually he moves into the Middle Ages uh, in and around the Industrial Revolution. Were they virgin women is the thing? Did they give up their virginity to go diving is the thing? The first century diving apparatus is credited to an Egyptian named Ashan ul Otherwise known as King Tut. No. Otherwise known as Ashan. Close. Ashan Otherwise known Ashwan. as Isa. Oh, Isa. Yeah. Well, why don't you just say Isa? <laughs> but he has served the navy of the Turkish Sultan Saladin in the Third Crusade. So, yeah, so he basically had that, that bellows system that he weighted himself down and he could swim down past those Christian armies and fight in war. Mm-hmm. Truth reminds me of uh, Leonardo da Vinci's. Yeah, as uh, we get into the Renaissance era. Yeah, the Renaissance era, as we like to call it. Yeah, in the 1400s, uh, mid-1400s. Yeah, so, I mean, Leonardo had that, that diving helmet he made out of leather. But he didn't uh, leather. really dive. No, his, his was more conceptual. It was. Right? It was, it was just drawings. art. It was thoughts. Uh, he, he believed it could happen. He drew yeah. it up, but it wasn't really truth in effect yet. It was another one of those, you know, like Leonardo made the pedaling helicopter yeah, type yeah. deal. Yeah, a and, couple of uh, hundred years before right. the stuff actually occurred. I think he invented the first dive computer. It was a beast. Uh, but no, seriously, he, he did come up with several concepts of which I don't think in reality they could have worked you know like his diving helmet had another one of these a long narrow tube going to the surface that was floated with a cork right right and, and I, uh, I think he was the first one to really start thinking about putting masks like a on piece a, of glass a, yeah. in front of your eyes and to, fins yeah swimming with uh, fins rather than just walking around on the Man, bottom looking at fish and figuring this is what we need to do we need to be more like a fish so yeah so back Back in these 1400s, first realizing the the physical difference of the environment that you're in, realizing I'm in a three-dimensional mm -hmm. world now. 
not a gravity world of walking around on the bottom. Of force, yeah, of movement, three-dimensional movement, yes. In the seventeen, uh, in the late 1700s, uh, there was a Frenchman uh, named Fremenet who had a wild, crazy, hydrostatter-jatic machine with a, uh, was a helmet with eye holes and air supplied by another type of a bellows. And then in the late 1700s, um, there was another system, uh, which was an improved version of the helmet. Uh, in the late 1700s, there was a system by Braithwaite uh, developed another type of uh, the helmet, as did a German named Klingert in 1787. And uh, Brilski mentions that it's still... That 1797 on the post. Klingert yeah. is what I'm getting at. Yeah. yeah. Brilski mentions that still the advances of the diving technology of the 17th and 18th century came from improvements in diving bells rather than helmets. And then he goes on to talk uh, quite a bit about some different types of these diving bells that evolved over the years. Borelli's not a bell, though. Right. The okay. Borelli's oh. another type. Yeah. is the helmet. It is a helmet. Yeah, but that's in the 1600s, right? So Borelli was even before what you've been talking about, uh, who came up with this outfit that used like goat skin, like a goat skin wetsuit type material. And he had a a helmet, a metal helmet. And he would, uh, but it had closed circuit breathing. In other words, it was a bag that contained your air. And apparently, yeah, like just like one of those like floating skin, like goat skin, cow skin kind of a. Yeah. Yeah, it it was a large bag, and it it was a closed-circuit breathing system. So you would breathe in and out of this bag, and from this bag, there was a little brass tube that they would pass the air into another little sack to be, quote-unquote, refreshed. Um, But basically, you're still breathing in and out your own air. And that was, what, the 16... That was in the mid-1600s. Yeah, and that French one, that uh, Fremenet system, he was building it more like a machine and had similar, right? He had a helmet with eye holes in Mm -hmm. it, but there was a a pumping bellows that was pumping in fresher air back into that same... Well, that was like the clinger, yeah. Yeah, the clinger was almost the same kind of thing, too. So it had a metal box that had like a pump pump-like cylinder at one end so you could take this pump-like cylinder and a piston that was inside the cylinder the piston was would force a compression to the air so the same pressure it would get get it to the same pressure as the surrounding water it's a i think it's hard to explain without seeing it but you kind of get the idea that they were trying to figure out how to overcome the water pressure Right, and I think it was so like another air, and I think know. it was another hundred years before that Klingert system really got improved. Yes, that was late they, they 1700s. Went, they went yeah. more. The more of the salvage operation for the next hundred years went more to the diving bell than sticking with the helmet. Truth. And Brilski goes into talking about uh, a couple of uh, early shipwreck salvages, uh, popular shipwreck salvages like La Nuestra Señora de Alimaranta in the West Indies. Okay. <laughs> de, sen- de la Señora? Is there De Señora or De la Señora? Maybe. De la Señora. But yeah, anyway. And this is uh, like these are around the times where they're first starting to learn about the problem with building up carbon dioxide and needing to get rid of it. So they're, I mean, at least they're, they're starting to get the idea like rebreathing our breathed gas is not good for us. There's something in it. So they're starting to learn. Yeah, because now they're getting to some depth. Yeah. They're trying to stay longer, they're trying to build up this additional time, right? So. In the early days, those early bags, they basically breathed that bag 
empty before the effects of the carbon dioxide really started to show. But now, as, as they're trying to stay longer, they're realizing that, you know, I'm in this giant bell, but it, it's just getting so enriched with carbon dioxide. We need to get more gas in there. Yeah, looking at, looking at our poster while we're going through this history of diving, uh, there's a picture of a diver about the same period you're talking, and he's in a what's called a late triton, which is— Oh, yeah, the triton. The triton. Yeah, yeah. Late triton. Yeah, that's a cool— triton. Yeah. In this triton device, he's got air from the bellows. He's got another bellows on his back, right? But the air is being pumped by the motion of his head nodding up and down that works on a couple of rods, it looks like, to uh, compress the gas and help it get into his lungs a little easier, overcome the surrounding water pressure. But also in the picture, uh, he's got a candle in a little glass container that he's carrying so he can see. Oh, yeah, very so, cool. Yeah, so, yeah. A little I, bit of... Trying to figure out ways to, uh, you the know... First, uh, the first... Funny thing is he doesn't have a mask on. <laughs> so <laughs> I don't know how much the candle's going to help if you can't see anyway. But, again... You know, another, another cool one is old uh, Haley from you know the, the Haley's Comet fame, Edmund Haley. Oh, yeah. You know, he designed a very famous uh, diving bell, which was a take on the old uh, John Lethbarge system. That the Lethbarge one was like a, it's that picture of the guy's almost like inside of a barrel, I think. It was, it was a yeah. big cylinder, but his arms were out, mm-hmm. right? So he could kind of maneuver around a little bit and work. And they could get um, like like a half an hour of bottom time wow. out of the bad, system. Eh? But when uh, old uh, Edmund Haley designed his, it was similar to that. But again, he uh, had a way of actually getting rid of the stale air and bringing in new fresh air coming into the system. And Brilsky mentions that Haley himself dived down to 60 feet in the bell and remained there for 90 minutes. He reported pain in his ears as if a quill had been thrust into them. Although unknown at the time, it is also interesting to note that such a bottom time is well in excess of any no decompression limit. There is, however, no mention of Haley experiencing the bends. And then uh, goes on to, he goes on to mention that uh, that system uh, became uh, refined even more by an American by the name of John Smeaton in 1788, who uh, had a basically a hand-operated pump to uh, supply fresh air to the system, who basically had a hand-operated pump and uh, non-return valves in it to keep uh, the system with fresh air. Pretty cool. Well, it's interesting to see like their ideas to overcome the pressure uh, and, and be able to breathe. I mean, these were their early birth, uh, what would you call them? The early embryos to uh, to the aqualung. Yeah, and then like 60, uh, 60 feet for 90 minutes. Yikes. Coming right up. No real sign of the bends or, or that, that they, they mentioned. Yeah. You know, whether he like walked around for the next couple of weeks with... <laughs> A limp. Sore, a limp <laughs> and sore shoulder and yeah. you know, pain in the neck and uh, just chalked it up to carrying this leaden-crusted wooden box around or what it was. Uh, but, you know, we slowly start getting to the point where, because it was, what, 1908 where Haldane came up with his original dive tables with all of his work. So that's still another couple hundred years away. Ish, yeah. What year was uh, Haley again? The 1800s? Haley was mid-1700s. At least another... Now, years. after the after the Triton, what's on that map? Like, uh, well, do they go into hard hats? Well, n- no, not exactly. And it, I think we should probably know that this poster is uh, very generalized. You know, it's very generalized. Like maybe giving the what they consider the biggest contributions of those times. Yeah, for sure. It's eras. definitely conceptual art, no yeah. doubt about it. And it, it. But it's it's just it's a really cool painting. 
yeah, yeah. The art with the illustration on it is is pretty cool. I'm, I'm digging that. So, so after the Triton, we're coming up to what they call as the Carmanoli Brothers diving suit. Okay, so this is in the the 1880s. So it says it's a heavy is a heavy piece of apparatus built by the Carmagnoli Brothers of Marseille. Marseille, 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 Marseille. Okay, so of Marseille. It was never used. It's now in the Naval Museum. So that's what's on the, our, our illustration. So it's an unwieldy suit of thick armor with a helmet that has 20 glass eye holes in it. The suit has been described as the hollow statue. But it was never used. So is it like, a, like an early model of like the newt suit? Uh, I guess you could call it something to that effect. Now in the 1820s, kind of what we think of as the modern hard hat, like Navy Mark five helmet diver like the, the first adaptation of that started to come around by a guy named john dean who actually designed it as a as a firefighting apparatus to kind of run into a burning barn and save a bunch of smoked yes. out horses and then that system he adapted to using underwater as well very very dangerous system because it was basically a floating floating helmet weighted down by a bunch of uh heavy uh heavy rocks and lead and to to keep the diver underwater but if mm-hmm. that thing tipped you know they had weighted weighted yeah. boots on and you know psh, that bubble would pop fell out over that, yeah. that <laughs> bubble would pop out and your ass was just down there to, to drown immediately you know but that system went on for for many many years that, that guy kind of became like a major commercial diver for many many years doing a lot of uh salvage throughout uh europe there yeah we actually have like if you look at this ho- this poster there's a there's actually like two sections to it yeah that's what i mean that's what i said the the man and then the machine kind yeah of. but the machine stuff is kind of cool too yeah we'll uh, hit, we'll hit that stuff too. all right because, but they're going on simultaneously yeah so now we if do. we go if we go back to rick and barbara carrier yeah they mentioned that the first self-contained diving suit to carry a supply of compressed air was one designed by wh james Actually, uh, they later learned that his real name was W.H. Jamesy in 1825. <laughs> the air was contained in an iron reservoir worn around the waist. The self-contained suit was not considered too important at the time. However, and in 1837, Sieb developed his closed suit, which became the standard diving dress for about a century. This was an improvement over the open dress in that the diver could bend over without having to... Wa- without having water rush into the suit, and further, he was protected against the effect of external water pressure. Okay, the Seab suit, which is, if you're into commercial diving or you're into diving at all, this is what you picture as the, the old underwater hard hat diving kind of thing. The Industrial Revolution brought about new materials and metals and enabled Seab, I, I think it's always pronounced Seab, but I don't know, I could be wrong. We'll go with Seab. So Seab suit was your typical rubber commercial diving hard hat suit that you think of uh, when you think of an old hard hat diver. Yeah, like when you think of like the the typical big round. Navy diver with the Mark Five helmet yeah. and the the heavy four. Yeah. Yeah, Mark yeah, Four yeah. the Mark Four helmet and the the suit right that that this was like the first model of that. Yes, this was the predecessor to all of uh, the hard hat diving we have now. So his suit was just a, it was the metal hat helmet with the uh, the shoulder piece that you would connect the helmet to. 
and the suit that enclosed the diver. So you're completely enclosed in this in this diving suit. So you've got a flexible rubber type suit on on your body and then the hard helmet on your head and shoulder. And this is okay. where we actually started to get to some serious depth too, right? True, but you had to compress you got to you have to equalize that soft suit with compressed gas into it. Now this is where you saw a lot of grotesque injuries is if you ran out of gas, the pressure would now because you had a soft, flexible container on your body, and then on your shoulders resting was this hard container that you could easily be compressed into as a human being. And just sucked right up into the helmet. You would be pushed into the helmet. (laughs) A whole, entire human body squashed into a diving helmet. So those were the the injuries you would see diving. So that was one of the big hazards. The gas supply was cut off for whatever reason. You're going bad places. Yeah, because with that seed system, they were going well over 100 feet now. Oh, they had way more than enough pressure. When you talk about PSI and then, yeah, you know, 250 feet, they were using this thing. And down there, you're talking in the 118 PSI. That's 118 pounds on every square inch of you. And you figure out how many square inches you've got on a body. That's a lot of weight. And when all that goes away and the only... Strong, when the equalizing goes away, and the, yes. And the only, only <laughs> thing that's not going to compress that helmet. Yes. Yeah, yeah, crazy stuff, man. So those early days of uh, of diving, man, some serious, serious uh, learning curves for those poor, oh, yeah. poor old guys, eh? Can you imagine bringing up your buddy though? It's like his air supply got cut off for for whatever reason. He's still tethered. You bring him up, and it's just a bloody suit. All limp, and then the helmet oh, is man, just yeah. full just of a, red. Just a slop and goo in there. And you open it, you're like, "Oh man, what happened?" Hey, Bob, to- you all right? <laughs> it's funny you said Bob because that's I was going to say. What happened to Bob? <laughs> Yikes! Oh man. Hey, well, there's a whole lot to talk about with the history of diving. Uh, this is uh, we'll have to definitely do this over the course of a couple of parts, eh? It, well, yeah, we knew this going in is going to be a three parter. At least, I would imagine. It depends on how detailed we get. We might have to come back to it from time to time over the years. True. On our way to our one millionth episode. What I think we could do, old Jamesy, is uh, come back to like one particular major event in diving history and and really examine that. Because each one of these, each one yeah, of these yeah. uh, pivotal moments in diving history are surrounded with. You know, a hundred little stories. It's not just oh, Sieb came up with a suit. There's a lot that came that went into it. There's a lot around that. That uh... well, yeah, and I think we learned a lot about that when we were going back through the history of deep air. Right, right. I mean, we covered a, a, a fraction of the stories, just the easy, popular, big right. ones that were mm-hmm. that were relatively easy for us to come up with. But I mean, there's so many little things. I mean, I'm, I'm sure we could spend you know days talking just about the development of this Sieb suit or that. The Triton system, you know, uh, very, very cool stuff. Yeah, like I say, each yeah. one and, of those. And on I the think uh, as we hear back from our listeners about things that uh, that they've heard of that uh, they may want to hear more about, hey, you know where to get a hold of us. Let us know. Shoot us a message. Keep listening. We really appreciate you guys uh, sticking around and hope you enjoy this little dive into the, the history of diving by us. Very early history. We've got more to come. We got more to come. More to so come. Uh, we will no need to sign the logbook. No, we're not signing. Not, we're not signing this dive. This dive's not over yet. We're on stages. Hook up your. Hook up your. I'm grabbing another. <laughs> I'm grabbing another Haley's Comet diving bell and staying down here. <laughs> okay. I'll, uh, I'm 
just going to hold my breath. All right, gang, until uh, next week, we'll talk to you later. Safe diving. played Xerxes in 300? No. Rodrigo Santoro. No, you're wrong. I'm not wrong. It was Rodrigo, Rodrigo Santoro. It's uh, exactly. Get it right. And who played Scilius? Scilius? No, it's pronounced Scilius. <laughs> Callan Mulvey. Did you know that? No. I didn't know that. History. This is history, people.